All right, we are in uh, Gospel of John, chapter 16. Got John 16, verses 23 to 27. We, Jesus is winding up his final discourse with the apostles. It's the, the very foundational aspect of our theology. And th in these verses, Jesus is going to speak to us about prayer. How Jesus views prayer. What is the role of prayer? Uh, and he has done this before, but he will do it again. So if you turn to John chapter 16, beginning with verse 23. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Uh, in fact, I'll read one more verse. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Well, these are very powerful words. And so in this final discourse, Jesus is laying out to them that he is repeating a subject that he has spoken to them about before, prayer. He has spoken to them about prayer. He's given them the model prayer and the Lord's prayer. Uh, and so he's underscoring what he said uh, and telling them again, but what he's saying now for the first time is now you will pray in my name. You will ask in my name. I will be there interceding for you. And by the way, God loves you, and, and God will answer your prayers even if you ask him directly. So some people have asked me, well, who do I pray to? I mean, I'm sure this has come up at some point. Somebody, who do I pray to? Do I pray to God the Father or do I pray to Jesus? Well, the answer is they're both God, okay? So whether you, you in some of your prayers, speak to Jesus directly uh, or speak to God the Father directly, all the prayers are directed to God, all right? Uh, and I can tell you that sometimes in, in my life, I've asked Jesus, I've asked Jesus to help me, uh, uh, but there are other times when I go and directly ask the Father. Uh, but I generally will say in my prayers, whenever I ask God, that I will close and say, in the name of Jesus. All right? Then that's critical. In the name of Jesus, because what that means is you're not praying because of your own merit. You're not saying, God, please do this, Lord, because I'm a good person. You know, I've gone to church. Lord, I've given money, I've given my talents. No, you don't, that's not a good prayer. That's not a good prayer. Instead, you want to say, Lord, I put all of these things before your throne, within your perfect will, in the name of your son, Jesus. That is really how God wants us to pray and how Jesus is speaking. I put, I put in, uh, in the outline this week uh, some lessons from a book entitled How to Pray. Because I thought they were good, and it breaks down the, the fundamental reasons about why we pray. Why does the Lord, why does God 
want us to pray? What are the reasons? And you know that the basic reason is it is communication with God. The only way we can communicate with God is through prayer. It's actually speaking to God, speaking to God. And so the important point to to reference here is you don't have to go into a closet. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to wrap yourself with a prayer shawl. Although all of those things are good, and if it works for you to get into a communicative relationship with God, more power to it. But you can pray as you're walking. You can pray as you're driving your car, all right? Uh, You can pray in every place that you are in your house. Uh, And really, you should be doing this, and I always say this 100 times a day. You need to get into the general practice of speaking to God constantly. Uh, In fact, I find myself even at night in bed while I'm sleeping that I pray. I know you may say this, that sounds ridiculous. But Linda will say to me, what, 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 are, you, what are you saying? What are you, what are you doing? Uh, I said, I'm just praying, you know, it's just like. Uh, it's because you almost get into a sense of quiet, quietness. And as, as everything comes away, you reflect on who needs prayer, all right? And the other thing about this is remember that your prayer should not be selfish. Now, growing up, I had nothing but selfish prayers. You understand that. Lord, I need this. Help me to get an A. Help me to do this. Help me to get that. I need this. I need that. I want this. I need that. None of us do that anymore, I know. (laughs) We don't do that anymore. But the essence of real prayer, prayer that will be answered, is unselfish prayer. When you pray the way Jesus prayed, in the manner in which Jesus prayed, uh, it, when you do that, those are prayers that are going to be answered, which is why uh, Jesus says in this section of Scripture, when you ask in my name, it will be answered. Well, what that means is when you ask the way I prayed for the kind of things I prayed for, they will be answered, all right? In the mean, in meantime, God will take care of your daily needs, and we'll talk about that because that was the essence of the Lord's Prayer. So why do we pray? Well, there's 11 reasons there. First, there is a devil, and prayer is the God-given appointed means of opposing him. How are you going to oppose the daily threat in your life from evil? It is only through prayer. And as you're asking God, Lord, protect me. Lord, deliver me from this. Don't let, me, don't let this, this evil befall me. Then, and God will answer that prayer. He will protect you. He will be with you. Uh, He will put a hedge around you. And so that's how we speak to God and and oppose evil. It's number two, because uh, prayer is God's way for us to obtain what we need from him. The only way we're going to be able to speak to God uh, is not through a speech, all right? Not through a conversation with somebody else, but directly in bowing your head and speaking to the God in prayer. And when you speak to him that way, He loves you so much that he will listen to what you're saying. And even as you're praying, your soul is being lifted up and and you are being affirmed. And and he pours into your heart the Holy Spirit and gives you wisdom and peace. All of this comes because of prayer. If you don't pray, you're not going to have that experience. And so that's an important experience for you to have. Number three, 
Well, we pray because the apostles whom God set forth to be a pattern for us considered prayer to be the most important business of their lives. And you would see that when you read the Gospels and you see it in the book of Acts. Prayer was the key element in the lives of the apostles. They accomplished what they did because they developed their prayer lives with God. Uh, and so that's the exemplar for us. Number four, because prayer occupied a prominent place and played an important part in the earthly life of the Lord. When you read about Jesus and you will see all of the quiet moments of his life were involved in prayer. Significant, significant prayer. Prayer that would take hours. Prayers where the disciples themselves could not stay up with him and would fall asleep. It's, it's amazing when you realize that this is the Son of Man, God himself, recognizing that in order to speak to God the Father, he had to do it through prayer and communication with prayer. So if Jesus did it all the time, that's the example for us. That's how we should live our lives. Number five, because prayer is the most important part of the present ministry of our Lord, since he is interceding for us uh, in heaven. Turn to Hebrews chapter seven. This is important that you understand this and convey this to people who may not understand it. Jesus is sitting as the intercessor next to the throne of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23, I think we'll start with. Now, there have been many of those priests, speaking of high priests right now, since death prevented them from continuing in office. Verse 24, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is on duty 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for eternity, sitting there next to the throne of God, interceding for your prayers. For those who have committed their lives to him. Sensitive subject, all right? Prayer is answered for those people who are saved. Prayer is answered for those people who are saved. That doesn't mean that there, there's no possibility of an unsaved person having their prayers answered. From time to time, when the Holy Spirit deems it appropriate, when somebody is searching or trying uh, to reach God in some way that will result in salvation, I believe that that, that that prayer can be answered. But as a general basis, as a general rule, Prayer, your prayers are being answered because you have given your life, your heart, your all to Jesus. You have accepted him. You are now within the family of God. That's what it means to be in the family of God. And I've emphasized this before, that God is not the fa universal father of man. He is the universal father of those who have committed themselves to Jesus Christ. Okay? He is the creator of all man, but in terms of the fatherhood relationship, that relationship requires you to accept Jesus Christ, and then you are adopted into the, into, uh, the family of God. Verse no, uh, number six, because prayer is the means God has appointed for our receiving mercy from him and obtaining grace in our time of need. You want to get the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, and you know that mercy means unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. Okay? 
You didn't deserve it, but because you've accepted Jesus and the blood of Jesus Christ has poured over you and the Holy Spirit has sealed you, God now grants you, when you ask for him, for grace and mercy. And if you're not asking for grace and mercy, I don't know, 50 times a day? Seriously. Am I exaggerating? I don't think so, folks. I don't think so. Uh, that you get a sense of just uh, having a general need that God enter your life. Lord, help me. Father, be with me. I must have said that 15 times between Port Royal and the church today, right? I mean, I'm praying the whole way. Lord, please give these people what they need to hear. I can't do it. I'm, I'm a weak man. It's not possible for me, Lord. I don't know what the words are. You give them the words. Don't let them see me, Lord. Let them see the Holy Spirit. Give me the grace to do that. Give me the mercy to do it. And God honors those kinds of prayers. Okay? And I want to say that to you. Even as you're going through illnesses, you ask God, Lord, I, I'm asking for healing. But Father, if it's not within your perfect will, give me the grace to walk with this. Give me the mercy, Father, to handle this. Help me. Give me peace, Lord. And he'll answer those prayers. It's almost like you have a permanent phone connection into eternity, speaking to the very essence of who created you. And he's promised that he will pour grace and mercy into your life. But you have to ask. Okay? You have to ask. This is not an intellectual exercise. All right? Don't say, oh, so I, I pretty much have, a, I have our theology down, Pat. I understand the theology. Let me tell you something. The theology is, is not important. What's really important is the personal aspect of this relationship, that you recognize that you have a father uh, in heaven who loves you, who loves you so much that he bankrupted heaven to send Jesus Christ here to save you. Uh, and, and, and when you want to begin to understand that and, and, and develop that prayer life, uh, it, it, is, it is so incredible. Number seven, prayer is the means of obtaining the fullness of God's joy. There are so many Christians I see walking around with long faces. I grew up in a church in which most of them had long faces. All right? I thought that that was basically how you went to church. In other words, you're happy on the sidewalk, but then you walk into church, you got to look serious. You know, you can't be godly unless you got a good frown on your face. And, and I've only come to understand this later in life. Who would want to join a church like that? Who would want to pal around with a Christian with a constant frown on their face? Am I right? I mean, I don't know. It just seems common sense to me. Instead, when you pray, God will pour the joy of the Spirit into your life you will begin to understand what your role is in the kingdom of God. So many of us say, oh, I want to be used by God, but I'm not sure where. Pray, pray, ask God, Lord, lead me, show me, uh, give me the peace. And God answers that prayer. That is why you will see people who really are sold out to Jesus, who have a regular ongoing prayer life, who have the joy of God in their hearts. They're happy. They're happy. Listen, I saw my own mother and father, who never had anything of this world's goods, ever be joyful, happy people. All right? They understood it, that, that they were where God wanted them to be. That's what I want for you. God wants this for all of us, and that's where you get that uh, through prayer. Uh, because prayer with thanksgiving is the means of obtaining freedom from anxiety and the peace 
that passes understanding. The peace that passes understanding. You ever wonder really what does that mean, the peace that passes understanding? It means that most of this world is in a fog. They have no idea where they are in the cog of humanity. But when you pray on a regular basis as a child of God, God fills you with the understanding of where you are and where you should be. And that is giving you a tremendous amount of peace. And that's the kind of peace that takes away anxiety. Look, I'm not saying that you walk around like you had a lobotomy, all right? I, I don't want you to think that. It's not like you're walking around like you were lobotomized, no. But instead, it's recognizing that as you walk in this evil world filled with problems, filled with health issues, filled with relationship e issues, that the anxiety that normally would take control of your life and fill you to the point where you're paralyzed, like you see people in the world, does not work like that for us. Because at the end, we ask God for peace. Lord, tell me. And he says, you are within my will. I have you in the palm of my hand. That's why we say that. You have, God, you have me in the palm of your hand. That means that whatever I'm going to go through, it is within his will. And give me the peace and understanding to knowing that that means he's got me and he's got me covered. And if I'm going to go through some difficult times, he's going to be there with me. But I'm not in a pinball machine. You understand? You're not in a pinball machine. And it is that peace that gives you the understanding of what God has for you. Uh, and, and so because prayer, number 10, is the means by which we are to keep watchful and be alert at Christ's return. He's coming back. All right? You can take this to the bank. Jesus is coming back. At some point in time, God is going to come back, and all of the church universal that have given themselves to Jesus will be raptured out of this world. You stay alert and watchful for that as you pray. All right? We don't live reckless lives because we know he's coming, and we want to be prepared for that coming. And so that's one of the other reasons that we do that. And, and number 11, because prayer is used by God to promote our spiritual growth, bring power into our work, lead others to faith in Christ, and bring all blessings to Christ's church. You want to lead people to Jesus Christ? Pray. All right? Ask God to give you that power. Ask him to fill you with his spirit so that you have the courage uh, and fortitude to go out and speak to people. Because I know many of you say, oh, I like to do it, but I just don't feel like I have the, the strength or the courage or the gifts. You ask God. You ask God in prayer, Lord, allow me to speak to people about you. He'll fill that need. He'll do that. He'll pray for that. Uh, and you will bring others to Christ uh, as you do that. And as you do that, you will be, bring blessings to the church universal of Jesus Christ in so many ways. Uh, and so uh, uh, I really want to emphasize this to you for this year. This is something that we all need to focus on, praying. Even as I'm speaking to you right now, I hope you're praying right now. I hope you're praying because that's exactly how this is, this is to work, all right? I don't want you to think that you have to get down on your knees. You don't have to get down on your knees. You get down on your knees in your heart. It's your heart that bows before God, all right? It's your heart that bows before God. And so uh, Jesus is now going to focus on four teachings relating to the nature of prayer, the privilege of prayer, the conditions of effective prayer, and a new prayer promise. And so he's, Jesus is really bearing down now to the disciples, teaching them what is the actual nature of prayer itself. 
And so the nature of prayer is indicated by the word ask, which is repeated in this section of scripture five times. And one time it refers to asking something of Jesus. The other four times it refers to asking something of the Father in Christ's name. So you see that there are various ways to approach God himself, God the Father, asking him directly, Lord Jesus, asking Jesus directly, or asking the Father in the name of Jesus. And Jesus indicates here really that prayer is a conversation with God. You don't have to repeat a series of words to be an effective prayer. I love the Lord's Prayer, but mindlessly repeating the words of the Lord's Prayer is not an effective prayer. Sorry to tell you that, okay? It is not an effective prayer. Rather, to sit and speak to God the Creator the way you would with your own Father, the way you would see someone who loves you more than you can ever define love, and asking him in an ongoing relationship. And let me say something else. To have a really effective prayer life, probably 90% of the prayers that you make need to be prayers of thanksgiving. This is so seldomly taught. You need to be in a constant state of thanking God for everything that you have. And let me say this very clearly. If you ever get to the point where you think that what you have or what you have acquired or the status that you have or the talents that you have or the gifts that you have or the respect that you are held in the community is because of your own winsome personality and your immense intellect, then you need to ask God to search your heart because that is completely wrong. Everything that you have Everything in your life, I don't care what it is, everything that you have is because of the mercy and blessings of God. Everything, all right? Whether it's your gifts, your talent, your money, your status, your relationship with your children, all of it is the gift of God. And the more and more that we recognize this, that this is what it is, that our prayers our prayers of thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. I'm, I'm, I'm so humbled by what you've done for me. I don't deserve it, Lord. You've been so gracious and good to me. Lord, help me to appreciate. Help me to appreciate what you've given me. How about that for a prayer? Help me to appreciate. Help me to recognize that you are there in every step of the way. Help me to see you in my life. Not you with your big head thinking that this is you, that you've done this. And so you see this. This is the nature of the conversation of prayer with God. Understanding that he loves you, but telling him, Lord, I know you love me and I thank you for everything that you've done for me. And so that's how you begin this conversation. That was the essence of the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's what hallowed be thy name means. It means everything that I have must be hallowed before you. You gave it to me. You gave it to me. You own it. I am here for you, God. All right? And when you develop this kind of relationship in prayer, God answers those prayers because he sees a humble servant. Someone, you know, we've been studying the life of David in the Monday morning men's group. And and one of the reasons that David had such an effective uh, life before God was one, 
He prayed regularly, and number two, he humbled himself before God. He submitted himself before God. And prayer, effective prayer, is an ongoing act of submission. Ongoing submission to God, the recognition that God, you are the eternal one, and I am here as your creation. And so the, the uh, apostles now, as Jesus has said, they've questioned Jesus uh, significantly during their time together. They've asked him all kinds of questions. Now they shall ask God directly in heaven. Second, these verses indicate something of the privilege of prayer. Prayer is a privilege. The world doesn't have this privilege, okay? The world doesn't have this privilege. Christ's point here is that as a result of his death, that anyone who will come to the Father in the name of Jesus may come with the same freedom and boldness characterized by the way the disciples questioned Jesus during his life. You have that same privilege, just as they did walking around with him, because you are asking God in Jesus' name for, for your needs, for your care, for your daily burdens. And so just as Jesus dealt with those apostles that walked with him, you are walking with him in your prayer life. Uh, and, and so Jesus had given us the very prayer pattern uh, in the Lord's Prayer. He had done that when he said, you know, when you read the Lord's Prayer, the first third of the Lord's Prayer is giving thanks to God for who he is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop. What does that mean? It means, God, I love you. I bow before you. I hallow your name. I'm asking you, God, I want your will in my life and in this world just the way it is in heaven. Okay? You haven't asked at this point for a bigger house, for more money, for a bigger reputation. You understand? Do you see how, how the prayer life matters, how God wants us to approach his throne? And it's as we get more mature with God, we walk with, with God more. Our prayers become less introspective, but more uh, outerspective. Lord, what does what, what your, your children need? Who is in need? Who is sick? Who needs a touch? And when you hear, it's like you hear these prayer requests here. Your heart should be burdened. Your heart should be burdened. You know, I told you the story of that woman that came to the church with those uh, five children that were grandchildren, and she adopted them as her own. You know that story where we as a class basically came together uh, to serve God, and we, we bought her a house, bought her a house, uh, and furnished the house. I was out with Hayes a couple months after we did that, and one of, the, one of the men in our group was with me in golfing and, and said to me, how's that woman... Uh, doing that we uh, bought a house for. And he said, what? You bought a house? I said, well, hey, you know, I, and I said, you know, that day that that woman came, we were, we were burdened as a class, and, and God let it on our hearts that she needed to have a house, and we did it. He was blown away. You understand? He was blown away, meaning what? We didn't make a big deal about it. We didn't go on an advertising campaign. We didn't want it in the paper. The newspapers were interested in talking to me. I didn't talk to the newspapers. It was simply this. When I saw that lady, I could not sleep that night. That's God through the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying to God, Lord, what is your will? We can't let this go. What do you want us to do? And in that prayer all night long, I recognized that we had to step up somehow. I didn't know that that's where it would lead. My thought was, well, maybe we can get her a nicer mobile home. But we couldn't do that. And you see, God opened the door. 
And that's, and you see the lives are changed. Those five kids are, are, have a life that would never be the same because of the influence of God in our lives through our classes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege, for the privilege to be your hands and feet. You understand? For the privilege to be your hands and feet. Because here's what it is otherwise. Otherwise, you're just burdening down. You know, you have money, and you, you, the problem is, oh, it's all mine. I need to hold on to it as much as I can. I don't know what tomorrow has. Instead, as you pray, as you pray, and God touches your life and affirms your life and speaks to you, you understand there's needs. There's needs. God tells you there's needs. And so you see this. You see this in the very prayer life of Jesus. So one-third, basically, of the Lord's Prayer is all about acknowledging the greatness of God and asking for his will in this world as it is in heaven. Second, praying in the name of, the, of Lord Jesus means praying on the basis of the merit of his life and not on your own merit. Let me repeat that. Praying in the name of Jesus Christ is praying on the basis of the merit of his life, not your life. Listen, if you're praying on the basis, Lord, I know you know I'm a good person. Lord, you know what I do for the kingdom. You know, Lord, I tithe. Lord, I ask you that because of all this, that you, you, you acknowledge my prayer. This prayer goes about six feet up in the air. It probably doesn't even hit the ceiling. It doesn't even hit the ceiling. But when you pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, I approach your throne, not in my own basis, Lord, but in the name of Jesus, who I love, who I've given my heart to. Zing, that prayer goes right to the throne of God. Right to the throne of God. And you understand this. And so what does it mean? It means that we're praying in line, in line with Jesus' character and objectives. That's why Jesus said, when you pray in my name, it will be answered. What does that mean? Jesus, please, I need a bigger house. <laughs> I prayed in Jesus' name. No, because praying in Jesus' name means aligning that prayer with the character and objective of Jesus Christ. And Jesus never prayed for himself. He never asked of anything for himself. He asked for the will of the Father in everything that he did. And so we have to get away from these prayers that focus totally on us, but instead focus on the will of God. Focus on the will of God. And so as you pray, Lord Jesus, please, I ask you, Father, direct me. Tell me, Father, what you want me to do. Where do you want me to go? Come into my life and give me, Lord, what you want me to have. Give me what you want me to have. Not what I want, but what you want, Lord. What you want. Direct my paths. And so we, don't, we, we are to ask for what, the way Jesus would ask. Not for our own desires, but for the desires of Christ. And I've, I've, I've bolded that in the outline in the end of number seven. So how can we know what Christ would want? Well, we know this through his word, meaning the Bible. God, this is, this is the word of Jesus. This is the word of God. We read it and we see this is what God wants us to do, how he wants us to pray, how he wants us to live. And so not only through his word, but through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
God has given you the Holy Spirit. He sealed you with the Holy Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit intervening with God, intervening with Jesus, speaking to God and speaking to Jesus, and illuminating your, your mind through the Bible. Now, the, the fourth and final element of these verses is the new promise it gives regarding prayer. There's a new promise here now that Jesus speaks in this final uh, discourse. It's in two parts, this promise. First, there is the promise that God will give us spiritual understanding to those who ask of him. Um, and this is effectively spoken of in verse 25, where Jesus said, before I have spoken to you figuratively, now I'm going to speak to you directly. And what that means is there's a veil. Jesus didn't open everything up before because they couldn't have understood it anyway. But now, because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus is saying that through the Holy Spirit, you are now going to be able to understand things that you never would have understood before. And what he is saying is this. If you read the scriptures and you say, I find it difficult, I can't understand it. If you ask God to give you spiritual understanding, he will do that. All right? He will do that. So as you read, and if you say, Father, please help me to understand the words that you're having here. Help me to have an insight into that. God will give you that. He will do that. Uh, because God recognizes that without the Holy Spirit, without you praying for that, you will not truly understand him. Uh, and this would all change once he got to heaven. Uh, and it applies to us even today. So even as you approach difficult theological doctrines that come up, if you ask God for understanding and insight, God will reveal that to you. He will plainly show you that's what, what he wants from you. The promise of this passage also concerns joy. Joy. And you can underline that in the outline. Joy. The joy of God. Jesus explains that through prayer, our joy will be complete. Let's just look at that, that verse because I think that's, that's something so many of us have a desperate need for. Verse 24. Until now, you have not asked for anything to my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. How many of us want to have the complete joy of Jesus Christ in our life? Honest to gosh, Lord Jesus, the joy of Jesus Christ in your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter the difficulties, the persecution, the suffering, the joy of Jesus Christ. How does that happen through the prayer aspect? It happens this way. Lord, reveal your will in my life. Reveal your will, pour your mercy and grace into my life. And what God does is as he pours his mercy and grace, he gives you the wisdom and the insight to understand what you're going through and to see the bigger picture. Lord, I understand now that you wanted me. There was some reason why I had to be in that hospital. There was some person that had to hear about you, Jesus. There was some need that had to be attended to that I wouldn't have known about it. I wouldn't have addressed it. I wouldn't have been there but for your intervention in my life. And now that I see it, Lord, I am joyful because I recognize that you have placed me here in this world for a purpose. I'm not a ping pong ball. I am a servant of God, a child of God, attached to the kingdom of God that you are aware of and using me. And that joy lifts you up. And that joy fills your heart. Oh, God, I pray that you will fill every person here with your joy. 
that you will fill them with an understanding of what you want in their life. Lord, these verses are so powerful. As God drills home to you why we pray, what, his, what he was saying to the apostles, and why he needed to say this in this final discourse. We will continue this next week. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your lesson, Lord. I thank you for these words. I thank you for Jesus, Lord. I thank you for the privilege of prayer. I thank you for being a child of the kingdom. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. You have given us so much, and we want to thank you over and over and over for everything that you've given us. Bless our people, protect them in every way, and bring them back safely next week to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all.